What is up, Pistons fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Three Rings Podcast. Today, we are going to start a new series we are calling the Draft Prospect Profile Series, where we'll be going over some of the top players in this June's upcoming NBA Draft. We are first starting off with the three most likely possible picks for the Pistons at pick number five. In this episode, I'll be going over Purdue star point guard slash shooting guard, Jay Nivey. And over the next two days, we'll be coming out with episodes on Keegan Murray, led by Vinayak. And then Aiden will be going over his scouting report of the mystery man, Shaden Sharp. So make sure to stay tuned for that. Before I get into Jaden Ivey, our last episode was from before the lottery. So I wanted to ask you guys what you thought. Obviously, the Pistons got picked number five while the Magic got number one. OKC got picked two, the Rockets will be at three, and the Kings at four. You know, what did you guys think of this? Were you happy with Detroit ending up at five? Were you mad? What did you guys think? I'm not going to lie. I was I was pretty disappointed at five when it first came out. But, um, you know, after, like, rationalizing, like, for, like, 30 minutes, I realized, you know, there's there's some solid players you can get at five. I think, actually, for me, I think Sacramento moving up to four was probably the most interesting thing. They were probably the best team in our in the Pistons case to move up like ahead of them. Not just because the Kings are the Kings, but also like they have guards already. And you know, at four or five, you're looking at a guard. So I mean, the the chance that a player like Jay and Ivy Shane Sharp, like those players will probably be available to the Pistons at five. But um I can't lie, like we discussed so much about Chet uh Jabari and Paula, like if it always felt like it was a foregone conclusion that at least one of those three would be de- coming to Detroit. But um, yeah, I was disappointed. But there's some good prospects. We can The Pistons have the opportunity to pick a solid player at five. So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I mean, we did talk about Jabari, Chet, Paolo for a long time. And I think it is disappointing that we were closer to pick seven than we were we were to one just because we had that. 14% chance to get the top pick. So that that is a di- that was disappointing initially. Um but I do think there's a lot of flexibility at that pick um if they want to move up or if they want to stay where they are. I think there's some decent prospects that we'll get into that could help them uh finish that rebuild quicker. And I do think that besides the top 3 picks the Pistons, the Pacers, and I think Washington. I think the rest of the lottery is pretty open to trading their picks. I think Sacramento and Portland have been very open. I don't think New Orleans is really committed to staying in the lottery if they don't want to. Charlotte as well. So, I mean, I think if they want to move back in, um, I don't think that would be – uh, that hard of a task. So I think, yeah, um, moving, moving, getting those picks, potentially moving up as well. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's a good point. And by the way, you know, those will be topics that we'll discuss after this episode and upcoming episodes. Uh, and I'll mention that at the end of <clears throat> some future plans that we have of, you know, the Pistons for all we know could end up getting two lottery picks. We've all talked about the Jeremy Grant stuff. Um, and so you never know, they could somehow trade up to pick three. There's been some reports on that. Um, I think the biggest takeaway is similar to you guys for me, 
uh, initially, man, I was, I was pretty heated. I'm not going to lie of just, I, I really was hoping that they'd get lucky somehow and manage to be able to get Jabari Smith from this draft um, or even Chet or Paolo. I think they're great players. And I just think those three, they're kind of in a tier of their own a little bit. There's been some reports um, of things going on with those three, but Anyways, I think they're kind of in their tier of their own, and then it's the other guys. And the other guys are who we're going to be going over today. And I think, like you guys and like all other Pistons fans, you know, after a little bit of thinking, it's not the end of the world that the Pistons got picked five. They'll be just fine. They're going to get a good player out of this draft. And um, the other thing I'll say, too, to make Pistons fans feel better that made me feel better is – if you had the choice of getting the number one pick in last year's draft versus the number one pick in this year's draft, I think everybody, everybody and their mom would say last year because Kay Cunningham is that guy. So I know it sucks right now, but the Pistons got their guy last year. And that's just how the lottery works. Some, sometimes you're going to win it. Sometimes you're going to lose it. I know the Pistons, it seems like always lose it, but we got lucky last year. So they, they can at least hold some uh, solace in that. And so with that, we are going to get it started here. Um, I guess before we talk about the players, I'll mention briefly to uh, make sure to check us out on social media, on any account from TikTok to YouTube. We're on everything. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter. We've been pretty active on Twitter. So, you know, hit us up on there, message us of any episode requests or things you want us to talk about, and we'll, uh, we'll definitely go over them. And so without further ado, um, I will be beginning the conversation of these three players. So I went over Jay Nivey's tape in this last week, and I, I guess I should first say that for me going to the University of Michigan, I actually am a commentator on the Student Broadcasting Club. And so I've seen Jay Nivey in person. I went to his game against Michigan in West Lafayette in February. And so I've, I've already seen a lot of Jaden Ivey. That's part of the reason why I wanted to learn a lot more about him just because I've seen a ton of his games so far this year. And so I think I've kind of gained a, a full perspective on him. And so the first thing that I'll say is I'll talk about his strengths first. And the first and the biggest and the one you're going to hear everybody say, and it can't be said enough, is his athleticism. The dude is unbelievable when it comes to athleticism he can jump out of gyms he can sprint right by you and you won't even see him he's that good he's that athletic um listen i think that there aren't too many guys coming out of college that have his sort of athleticism and that will help him out big time in the nba and the one thing that i said throughout his college career that will be a question mark for his NBA career is just that he relied on his athleticism his whole career so far. And so it'll be interesting to see how that translates to the NBA, because as I'll get into later, sometimes, you know, his athleticism is a little bit of a gift and a curse and that he relies on it too much. And he doesn't have the actual skill set um, to certain things that will be important in the NBA. But regarding his athleticism, I mean, he's six foot four, 195 pounds already at six foot four and being more of a combo guard type, he's a little bit taller um, than a lot of he's taller than most point guards and taller than a lot of other guards. Um, and then at 195 pounds, he plays huge. He, he really plays a lot bigger than you would think he is. 
And he, he, he kind of looks pretty big too. I mean, he has broad shoulders, big biceps, and that's certainly going to come up, you know, clutch for him in the NBA because he's not afraid of contact at all. If you pull up Jaden Ivey highlights, you will see so many of him in trans transition from, you know, getting a steal on defense and sprinting down the court and trying to get a quick bucket in transition. And he will constantly go into defenders. And I'll talk about that a little bit later, but for now that I think can be listed as a strength just because he's, he doesn't shy away from contact. And that's important. A guy like Killian Hayes, for example, I've been saying since he got in the league, it seems like he's a little scared of contact. Jaden Ivey's not going to be like that. He is fine running into guys. Um, yeah, with athleticism, you know, it's with him. I think there's two guys in this draft that are at the very top in athleticism, and I think it's Jaden Ivey and Shaden Sharp. And the thing with Shaden Sharp, and we'll get into it later with Aiden, um, you don't know much about him. You know, we haven't seen him play in last year. So it, he, it's a big question mark with his athleticism. Ivey has shown it. Um, and I think with how quick he is and with how he jumps and things, he, he has a two-step jumping approach. It reminds me a lot of John Morant and I'll talk about that more um, in a bit, but with the rest of his offense, like I said, he scores a lot in transition. He has fantastic straight line speed um, in the half court. He shows just an extreme slashing ability. Um, like he can dribble around and buy anybody. And in pick and rolls, what happened with Purdue, and they used him on a few pick and rolls, but even when teams came and hedged the pick and rolls, he would just dribble right around and be fine. And he'd get by everybody. And that's great in college. That works. But the question with that that scouts have is, well, what's going to happen in the NBA when guys are much quicker defensively? And so that'll be something to watch out for. But at least in college, I mean, he was fantastic. His, his dribbling is solid in the half court. Um, he has an amazing hezzy dribble and a little cross jab fake that reminds me a lot of John Morant. Actually, it's almost the exact same move. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think he's a pretty good half court player. He shot 58.8% around the rim, which is unbelievable for a point guard slash shooting guard. So that shows you, he's not, like I said, he's not scared of contact. He goes up with vengeance and he's not scared of anybody. He's a great cutter with the basketball on his hands. And in the half court, I'll also say they, they used a little bit of off-ball screens at Purdue, not too many. And, and when they did, it was more for Stefanovic. But um, they used a little bit with Jaden Ivey, and it was quite successful. Specifically, one thing I noticed is that it was always coming off the left side of the court, or more often than not. And so that will be an interesting thing to look at. And I think the reason is just because his left hand really isn't as strong as his right, like most players, but he doesn't really go to his left when dribbling. He doesn't have great dribble moves with his left hand. So that'll be something to watch out for. Um, but off the screen though, in catch and shoot, he's fantastic. And I'll get into his weaknesses in, in a second, but his shooting is, can be listed as a weakness for sure. In catch and shoot, he's just fine. He, he shot 35% on half court catch and shoot opportunities. He looked very, very good and very, and his shot looked smooth with them. The overall mechanics of his shot is questionable. Um, and, you know, that'll already take me kind of to the weaknesses right now of his shot is very slow. 
the release point is low. It's slow. It, it kind of has a little bit of a push mechanic on it. And so I'm not sure that's going to work in the NBA. I kind of, I think it reminds me a lot of Tyrese Halbert's shot coming out of college in that he doesn't use much of his legs. He, he bends his knees a little bit, but it's just, it's slow, man. And so he's going to have to speed that up a decent amount in the NBA. I think we're going to see him struggling at the beginning of his career with the NBA speed, just because, like I said, it's not quick enough right now. And the similar thing could be said of Kate Cunningham's shot. But I think over time, it has the possibility to work out. Tyrese Halliburton shoots 41% from three in the NBA. And so his shot has worked out, even though it's unorthodox. And so I think it could work itself out. But you do have to question it because he shot 26% from three in his freshman year last year. And he shot 36% this year, which isn't bad. It's not great either, though. And another thing I'll point out is that he shot 26% in the last two months of college basketball, that that's not good. And that wasn't the improvement that scouts were looking for specifically off the dribble. His shot doesn't really work because like I said, the mechanics just aren't great for off the dribble shooting because he, he has to stop his momentum, get his feet set. Cause it's such a set shot. It's not really a jumper um, that it's a little bit difficult for him. And so I think, especially off the dribble. He can't really create too much space. He's added this little step back, especially to the left in his game. Um, But even that doesn't create too much space. And so I think they're going to need to work on the little skills of his shot and fixing his mechanics a little bit. I think in general, he can become a plus shooter, um, you know, an above average shooter in the league, but it's never going to be his biggest strength. His biggest strength will always be slashing. Um, and then briefly, I'll just say something that people didn't talk about enough, which was one of his weaknesses in college is his mid range game was awful. I mean, it was really, really bad and he's a great player. Don't get me wrong, but he shot 21% on mid range clubs last year. That's not going to work in the league. That's not good. Um, and one thing that you'll see a lot with his game is that he kind of gets stuck in the mid range of like figuring out what approach to have with his shot of he has this floater that oftentimes turns into a push shot. He has a jumper that simply is not refined in the mid range game. And if you've watched some of his games, you'll see he's had many wayward shots out of the mid range with a jumper. And so he's just, he's got to get used to it. He's going to, this is, it's going to involve a lot of coaching for him of just figuring out certain spots to pick. Um, and what to do. And I think, you know, I'll go over the fit with Detroit in in a second, but I don't think it'll be as big of a deal on the Pistons as it is for a few other teams, but it's something that he needs to learn. And then the last two weaknesses that I put were defense and recklessness and recklessness. I define as turnovers. I define as being just frankly undisciplined and Jay Nivey's a little bit of that. And like I said, his athleticism is a great gift, but it can be a curse at times because he, man, he will just get too sped up sometimes. And then he has no clue what he's doing. He'll get stuck midair trying to make a pass and then just throws it away. Sometimes in the transition where he's sprinting across the court, his ball security is extremely loose and he causes too many turnovers. I think he will create a lot of charges for opponents in the NBA. Because in transition, like I said, he goes so fast and he's not scared of contact 
that he will go straight into guys. And that's going to create a lot of charges in a much more technically sound league like the NBA is. Um, and so that'll be something to look out for. He averaged 3.3 turnovers per 40 minutes in college. That's not too great for the role that he had, which was an off-ball role. Um, and then quickly, defensively, he he's a work in progress. I mean, he's just he's kind of the definition of a guy with high defensive potential but little little production. He gets extremely undisciplined. He is very unaware off-ball and often gets beat on a lot of back cuts which isn't good. He gets flat footed a decent amount. Um, and yeah, in general, he's just, he's pretty undisciplined, like on ball, he can get a little too overly aggressive going for steals and blocks, and then he can get beat very easily and off ball. Like I said, sometimes there's actually in the Illinois game this past year, Illinois was down two in overtime with 10 seconds left. Ivy left his man to try to get a steal with, um, I think it was Curbella who had the ball in his hands and Ivy leaves his guy, Tim Frazier, and goes all the way up to the top of the key and Frazier's left wide open. And then Illinois gets the game tying bucket to force double OT. That can't happen in the NBA. He's going to have to work on that. Um, and the other thing with his defense is he really struggles with screens. He can't decide ever really to go over and under. And that's a big talking point that I, that scouts have been going over. And so he's going to have to get better than that. Um, and yeah, like I said, overall, I think the biggest thing with, with Ivy is that the ceiling is extremely high, but the floor can be a little low too. And so it's just going to be coaching. He's going to need a lot of coaching and he's relied on his athleticism, his whole career so far that he's going to have to figure out all the small technicalities, the little details. He's going to have to start focusing on those defensively for sure offensively he's going to have to add some more dribble moves to his game and then figure out his shot and I think if he does all of that the ceiling that I put on him is an all NBA third team type of player I think he can be a number two option on a championship team I think he can be that good but the floor I think is just being a change of pace uh, role player a a Jordan Clarkson type of guy and I'm not comparing their athleticism at all but that type of role of a change of pace guard that will come in and get you a few buckets, but can't stay in there too long because they're a defensive liability and other things. Um, Like I said, like I mentioned briefly, the comparisons I have for him are John Morant. Some people said uh, Victor Oladipo online, which I was a little shocked about. I don't really see that as much, but I thought I'd say it. Um, And then, yeah, I think as far as fit with Detroit, I think that he would be a great fit with the Pistons. Um, I think that everything that the Pistons lack, he has. He brings athleticism. He brings slashing. He brings speed and transition. We've talked about the issues with this team, athletically speaking, that they don't have the athletes. The biggest talking point against Kate Cunningham the last year and a half has been that he's not a great athlete. Ivy brings that. And so that that will help them a lot. And I think his weaknesses will all be covered by the Pistons, frankly, because he's not going to need to operate out of the mid range in Detroit. That's for guys like Kate Cunningham, Sadiq Bay and Jeremy Grant. If he's still there, his off dribble shot, I think will work perfectly or sorry, his, his uh, catch and shoot shot will be perfect for the Pistons because Kate Cunningham is going to play make and get him open. And so I think that will be fantastic. And his, he doesn't pass too much, by the way. His playmaking's not too great, but I don't think that that like is that big of a deal when you're next to Kate Cunningham. 
So I think he's fine there. And then defensively speaking, like I said, Kate Cunningham's a great defender. He'll guard the other team's number one option, likely. Sadiq Bey's solid. Jeremy Grant's a great defender if he's still there. So I don't think that's as big of a deal um, as it might seem. So any questions, you guys, about Jaden Ivey? I know I went really, really long there, but. Ah, I think you did, like, a really good job. I will say one uh, Jane Ivey um, uh, comparison I saw was, like, if everything was, like, the worst-case scenario compared to Pistons fans, you could say Hamadou Diallo, like, a guy who's, like, really athletic, didn't figure out his jumper, but, like, athletic can play defense and stuff like that. But for me, like, I'm with you there. Like, I'm, I'm like, pretty high on Ivey as well. But the um, it's, like, the recklessness sometimes, the questionable decisions he makes at times. And then also, like, you mentioned that – you mentioned Purdue. Like, he can play off ball at times. But that is a – you know, Purdue, he was pretty – he needs the ball in his hands from time to time. And that – the sample size he has of being a spot-up shooter is small. So it is encouraging. But, I mean um, – for me, like, I wish I, we would have seen more of his shooting part. I wish we actually got to see there's more tape of him being off ball and, like, you know, with his cutting and stuff. But I honestly think if that spot of shooting can, can be um, – can get to, like, league average, which it was at Purdue, granted small sample size, I think, like, he's a really good fit next to K. And that's why, like, Killian Hayes, for example, is on the bench. It's just because he can't really shoot. He can do everything else but shoot. But, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with Jaden Ivey. Yeah, I mean, I saw him when they, they played MSU, and he did not have that great of a game. I will say that. Um, so I wasn't really impressed with him watching him in person, but I did watch him throughout this, this season, and he did have some wild moments. But I think for me, obviously, you gave him the, the you know, you saw flashes of jaw, which kind of begs the question because jaw – you know, is a point guard. I mean, do you think, do you see Ivy potentially running um, the one spot with that second group, you know, if Cade's on the bench? Because I think, I think that's kind of what they're looking for right now with between, you know, Killian and a bunch of the vets that are, you know, on the league minimum. So yeah, that's kind of my question. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening. Um, I think Jaden Ivey, if the Pistons were to draft him, they would probably stagger his minutes with Cade and that they would play, you know, quite a bit together, obviously. But when Cade comes off, Ivy's still on. When Ivy comes off, Cade's still on. And I think that would also be a humongous strength for them because then throughout the whole game, you will always have someone kind of running the show. And I think Ivy can be a good, true point guard in the NBA. I question it a little bit more than others do because I think he's just much more of a combo guard. His passing isn't really there yet right now, but it, it could be. I mean, that's that's kind of the thing with Ivy is that the potential is just everything's there. All of the tools are there for him to be a genuine superstar. I mean, one note that I wrote down is that he could easily, and I say easily and I truly mean it, become the best player in this draft. Like, I think he, he, the tools are there, man. He's just got to put it together. And I think coaching is just going to be such a big part of it. But yeah, I think he could run the point pretty well in the NBA. I think, um, you know, some other teams like, um, let's see here. Okay. Not okay. See Houston, maybe um, Sacramento, if they trade deer and Fox, like you could kind of try to build a team around him as your number one top guard type of guy. For the Pistons, obviously, that can't happen when you have Kate Cunningham. 
Okay, well, that will do it then for this first episode of the Draft Prospect Profile Series. Uh, I apologize for my voice sounding completely different. The end of the our recording for the, the Ivy episode got a little messed up. But um, yeah, we really appreciate all the, all the support. Um, like we said at the top of the episode, make sure to stay tuned for the next two episodes and of course any future episode after that, but especially the next two because we'll be coming out with a scouting report on Keegan Murray that'll be led by Vinayak and that'll be coming out on Saturday. And then on Sunday, we'll have Aiden's scouting report of Shaden Sharp coming out, the mystery guy, the guy that seems like no scout really knows too much about. So make sure to um, check it out, check those episodes out, and yeah, hit us up on social medias. Thank you so much for the support. We'll see you next time on the Three Rings Podcast. Peace.